Aren't you glad you're here this morning? You guys get quiet all of a sudden. Yeah. It's time to rejoice to the Lord. Come, now is the time to worship. around you. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries.
thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity to stand in your presence this morning. God, we thank you for the scripture that we've just sung back to you, Lord. As you told us in the Psalms, everything that has breath should praise the Lord. God, we've come this morning to honor you, to bless your name. And as we stand in awe of your holy presence, of your mightiness, your majesticness, God, we're humble this morning. We say, Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. personally gone for 14 days with about half of our group. We'll throw a picture up here. This is last Sunday while you were having services here. We, uh, are the group that was remaining there, we, we sent our group in two because of airfare prices and it was cheaper to stay there a few nights than to pay the airfare all go at the same time. But uh, we, we stayed a few extra days and we went up to this Indian church. It was up in the mountains 
we got up and we drove a good hour up a mountain. And you go up this mountain and it's just like, you just wonder, is the bus ever going to get there? We're all getting a little weak in the stomach as you just keep climbing this mountain. And uh, but we, we finally go all the way to the top and we get out and there's this church and it's the, uh, the Quechua Indians. And you see how they're dressed. You see they have the hats on, the ladies with the, uh, the, the dress that the ladies wear. This is what they wear all the time. This isn't their Sunday clothes. This is their all-the-time clothes. They go out and they work like this. We see them selling things in a town like this. That's how they were. They're, they're Indian, Quechua Indians. So we got, as soon as we pulled in, you could hear them singing. The guy was on the stage with a guitar, and they were singing and praising the Lord. And I thought, wow, isn't this exciting? Here we are. We've driven all the way up. And I'm thinking there's nobody lives at the top, you know. We get up there, and there is this little church, this gospel witness. And you hear people singing and praising God. And I thought, this is so exciting. So we got out, and we, we jumped in. Our people ran the children's, uh, the children's program, and I was able to speak in the church over there. So we're going to, in a few weeks, have a full report back where we're going to let everybody uh, be able to share a lot more of what happened. But we had an incredible trip. Um, just, I can't even, words can't even express what God did down there. It was just amazing. And our people stepped up to the plate. It was so exciting to see our people step up and be used by God. But I wanted to say personally today, thank you for praying for us. Because I know when you're over there and you know that there's 200 people back home praying the summer prayer emphasis for us. And I'm praying for you guys for a vacation Bible school. So we were running outreaches down there. You're running an outreach here. It was so exciting to know that my church hadn't forgotten about me. Because I'm out there and 200 of you are praying for me and the 29 of us that went out there this, uh, this past two weeks that we were there. So, but we thank you, and uh, it was a little cooler in Quito, but we, we managed to come home and find the heat. So it was, the elevation makes it a lot cooler, but thank you so much for praying. Amen. Well, it's so good to have the group back. You know, when we, when we send them out, we're just praying to the Lord, Lord, keep them safe. Don't let anything crazy happen to them. And God did exactly that when we uh, were so happy that they're back among us. Uh, please reach in the book rack right there near you somewhere. There's a little black folder. If you'll be so kind to take that folder, put your name on it, give it to a person nearby, and, and encourage them to put their name on it. Uh, we'll appreciate that a lot. Uh, just a few announcements. Um, uh, inside your Sunday Courier, there is this Membership 101 class. And I want to encourage you, if you've never gone to one of these, uh, to please register today. It's next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service. We have a lunch. We'll have a lunch prepared for you. We won't keep you a long time, but we're just going to inform you about the mission of the church, what we're trying to do in the church. I think it will be helpful for you. So tear that bottom reserve place off there and put it in the offering plate this morning and we'll prepare for you next week. And uh, we thank you for that. Uh, it's so uh, great. People are all over the place uh, traveling today, and we thank you for being here in our church. Uh, inside this courier is our prayer list for the summer. And as Ken said, you know, Joanne and I were away with our family and our kids and their families down at Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, she took her prayer list, I took mine, and here we are. We're right on the ocean, overlooking the ocean in this nice uh, house that we've rented down there. Uh, we're sitting up in our room. We're praying through the list, uh, just like I ask you to do. 
And it was really good to know that, listen, we're staying connected with the church no matter where we are. Uh, a week or so later, we had a, another trip planned. Trips are almost over now. Uh, we found ourselves in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. If you ever get a chance to go there, boy, that's a nice place. We took our list, and we were praying the list down there. And uh, it's great. God answered our prayers, and now we can look at this list. And I want to encourage you to keep at it through the end of August. And now we can go and check off the answers to prayer. And we had a terrific, outstanding vacation Bible school here at the church. Kids came in that never heard the gospel before, and uh, our church presented the gospel to them. And, you know, we're just trusting, you know, God's word doesn't return void. And God does his work in the lives of these kids. And so while we, we were doing our Bible school here, you were doing Bible school down in Ecuador with the kids down there. And uh, God just puts it all together. And uh, we're all trying to promote the, the greatest cause in all the world. That's uh, the finished work of Jesus Christ for the soul of men and women and boys and girls. We thank you. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning. And we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We thank you for your faithfulness in giving each week. It makes uh, possible uh, what we're trying to do here in the church. Uh, you have been very faithful, and uh, I commend you for that. Let's just continue to pray that God will provide the funds, especially in the summertime. It's a little bit more needed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we acknowledge uh, you are our source, Lord. We don't look to our company. We look to you, God. You give us the strength and the energy to go to work. You provided a job, and sometimes it's really hard. And you've given us the, the grace to, to bear up under the weight of it all so that we can provide for our family. And now we've come to provide for our church, and we pray that you'll pour out upon us the spirit of generosity as we give for your work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
stand as we continue this morning. At the cross, I bow my knee.
close our eyes and meet with the Lord this morning, shall we? Talk to your Savior this morning. Thank him that he tore that veil in the temple that day when he died on the cross for your sin. He made a way for you to heaven. Father, we come before you and we thank you for this great day. Today is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for what you have done for us at the cross. Our worship always centers at the foot of the cross, Lord. We thank you so much for what you have done. God, as we stand in awe of your holy presence this morning, we stand in awe of your mighty character, the majestic king of the universe. God, I thank you for who you are this morning. Thank you that you loved us so much and you called us to be your children. You pursued us that we might come and be a part of your family, Lord. Now as we open up your word and we continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that this living word will dwell richly in us. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles this morning, please, to the book of James in the New Testament. Boy, when you, when you read the book of James, you keep saying to yourself, wow, this is something I need. The reason you're saying that, it, it is been said that this book is the book of Proverbs of the New Testament. Proverbs are principles by which we, we live our life. And so as you go through the book of James, it just keeps the opening up your heart and saying, listen, this is what you need. This is how you can change your life. And it's so practical and so convicting. Today I'd like to talk to you about what does genuine faith really look like. Uh, James is pretty good when he describes that. Let's begin in chapter 2, verse 1. My brethren, do not... Hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. The faith spoken here is uh, the whole body of faith. Everything that is included in what we call the Christian faith. Um, and so what the Lord is saying here is I want you to share this faith to everyone. Don't be selective. It's for all people. For if there should come into your assembly a man with golden rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand here or sit here at my footstool. In other words, you say to the poor, hey, listen, here's a seat up here. You can sit in the floor if you want to. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The Bible keeps teaching us not to judge one another because we can't do that. We don't know the heart. Only God is the judge. 
Uh, we're pretty good at judging and, and God keeps trying to extract this out of our system, get it away from us. Verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? There is a special calling for poor people in this world. Jesus said the poor are always with you. They're always going to be here. Uh, but the Bible says God has something special for the poor that other people don't have. And he says, he describes it as being rich in faith. We'll come back and talk about that. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as what? A good principle, isn't it? You know, we hear it time and time again, but it's, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because we're so in love with ourselves. It's about us. It's about me. The Lord says, listen, I'm creating a new community and the way you think, think has to be different now. You have to start loving other people. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all. For he said, to, do not commit adultery. Also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. All of us will agree with that. Those are big things, you know, wow. Uh, we say, listen, if a person breaks that law, they've really broken the law. That's what he's saying here. So speak and so do as those who will be judges by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but not have works? Can faith save him? James here is talking about a real faith, a genuine faith. I know that there are many people who think they have the faith, but they are uh, surprisingly wrong. And so James is doing everything he can right here to explain what real faith is. The first thing he says is, listen, in the church, you can't play favorites. And the reason why is because God doesn't have any favorites. And the reason why is because everyone is a favorite with God. It doesn't matter what tag we have. It doesn't matter where we've come from. It doesn't matter what our portfolio may include. We're all favorites with God. Because when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, uh, we become his children. And he embraces us. And he loves us just like you parents love your kids. You know, your kids are all different. <laughs> you say, this kid is different from that. How can two kids, three kids be so different, one from another? but you love them all equally. God is the same way. And he says, listen, in the church, you have to conduct yourself this way. You have to see the people through my eyes. Don't play favorites. And so this is a command. And the reason why is because back in this time, uh, everybody was categorized and everybody had a tag attached to them. This person was a Jew and that person was a Gentile. This person was bond. This person was free. This person was a Greek. This person was a barbarian. This person was rich and this person was poor. And, and uh, everybody had a tag and everybody looked at each other with those tags. 
And so the Lord was trying to teach the, this infant churches, listen, we've got to tear up the tags. And he started with one of the leaders of the church, and that was Peter, remember? Peter was a good person. He was an apostle of our Lord, but he looked at everybody with tags on them, see? He saw them with tags. And, uh, and so God taught him this lesson. You remember it's recorded in the book of Acts chapter 10. Let's read it. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Peter said, Listen, I got the message, Lord. I know what you want me to do. I can't look at people now as though they are rich or poor, as they are in jail or they're slaves or they're free. I just have to look at them as you look at them, and I'm trying to learn that lesson. And the reason why this is here for us is because in every, in every age, we have to learn this lesson. We have to teach our kids, listen, this is the way we have to conduct ourselves because the church is a new community on the face of the earth. You know, from childhood, we play favorites. We have our favorite this, we have our favorite that, we have our favorite this. Uh, I think it's a good, a, a good proposition for us to say, listen, in the church... Everybody is our favorite in this church. No matter where you come from, no matter what you have attained in life, you are all our favorites. Now, it's interesting here in the scriptures, in verse number two, look at it. He says, if there should come into your assembly, the Greek word right there is the word for synagogue. And... Uh, and so what that means is the book of James was an early book in the New Testament and Christians, mostly made up of Jewish Christians, and they were still meeting at this time in the synagogue and they were worshiping God the Father in the synagogue and they were worshiping God the Son in the synagogue. And even, I think this, even after they left the synagogue or actually pushed out of the synagogue, they started their little churches. They didn't have buildings like we had. They all met in homes or out under the tree somewhere. They still called their assembly a synagogue. They liked that term. Nothing wrong with that term. It simply means to get together. And so here we find this is an early book of the Bible. It's mostly made up of Jewish Christians. And uh, he's saying, listen, I'll tell you the way I want you to greet people when they come into the church. Don't look at what you think they are. Look at them as people who are coming on an equal basis. I like to call this, this example that he gives here the haves and the have-nots. You know, life is made up of, of that, the haves and the have-nots. But God wants them all in the church because everybody has a soul and Christ died on the cross for everybody. No one is excluded. And so, first of all, he talks about treating the haves with more respect. He says, listen, when they come into the assembly, they have these gold rings. They're dressed up fine. They have great apparel. Um, but then there is this poor man, and he comes in and looks pretty ragged. You treat them differently. I understand that in Roman society, the wealthy wore rings on their left hand with great profusion. That was a sign of wealth. In Rome, they used to have stores where you could go and rent rings when you went to a special occasion. You ever met anybody that was just 
encased in rings. Every now and then you see somebody like that. And you're trying to talk to them and you're counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Holy cow. You know, they just, they can't even put their fingers together. It's like they got all of these rings. Well, that's the way it was right here. Uh, these people came into the church and, and that's just the way they conducted themselves in that way. And what happened though is the church rolled out the red carpet for them. Okay, come on. You come and you sit right up here. We have a special place for you. And then there was the person that didn't have the rings and didn't have, uh, that was the have-nots. And they said, listen, there's room for you too, but you have to sit right here on the floor or find some other place. Well, the Lord says, listen, I have a new community. And the haves and the have-nots are going to be together in this community. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Let's read this together. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God the Lord looks at the heart. Now, this is what God has always been trying to get people to do. Look at the heart. Now, we can't see the heart, can we? And so that means that we have to have the eyes of Christ and accept people just the way they are because God is the Father of us all. Well, the poor of this world, though, have a special calling by God. They really do. Um, look at verse number 5. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? God's chosen the poor for a special calling. The reason why is because they have more opportunities to trust God than other people. You know, when everything is going good, the sun is shining and all the bills are getting paid, I'll tell you what, it's fun and games. Uh, but uh, when the bills aren't getting paid and the sun refused to shine and troubles break in and all sorts of problems break out, uh, who do we turn to? We turn to God. Uh, our group just came back from Ecuador. And I'm sure that uh, in all these third world countries, the, the situation is the same. Years ago, we used to always take people to Haiti. And boy, that is, a, that is a culture shock. And you get off the airplane and you say, boy, I've never seen anything like this before. And I remember one day we were driving in our van through Port-au-Prince. That's the main city there in Haiti. And uh, there was this um, policeman out in the center of the street. Nothing works in Haiti. There are no, nothing works. And uh, this policeman that was trying to make it work, and he was directing traffic, and he looked real nice. He was dressed up in his uniform, and he looked clean and presentable, and he's directing traffic out there like this. And he saw our van driver, and he said, to, he, he went like this to the van driver, and I thought, well, we're in trouble. And uh, the van driver pulled over by the policeman, and the policeman stuck his head in the van, and this is what he said. Do you have any food? He wanted something to eat. Now, that's a shock. And so the, the van driver said, no, I don't have any food. And so we're driving out away, and so we started talking in the van, and one of the Christians in the van said, God feeds us every day. You know, Jesus said to pray, Lord, give me today my daily what? 
bread. In the third world countries, that's the way they get their bread from God. He feeds them like the birds of the field. They are rich in faith, though. We go to those places and we say, hey, listen, we're Americans. You know, we have an icebox when we open sometimes and stuff fall, things fall out of it. And they said, you know, we just want the next meal if we could have that. They are rich in faith, though, because they are depending on God and they have a special calling. And so I don't think, even though our heart reaches out to them and we would just, we wish we could go heal all the wounds of the world, but God says that's not the way it's going to be. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. Treat them with respect. Treat them with respect. And, uh, be, and, and learn from them because they are rich in faith. They have something you don't have. And that's the greatest riches, isn't it? I told you last week, the way to find out how wealthy you are is take away everything that you have, that you purchase with money, and what you have left is how wealthy you are. These people are trusting in God, and you know, when they trust in God, they have a relationship with God. And there's nothing greater in all the world than having a relationship with God. And so there's a special calling for the poor. 1 Corinthians 1.26 talks about that. Let's read this together. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now it is harder for a person of means, the haves, to go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. Uh, It's as hard as a camel going through the eye of a needle it's pretty hard because uh, whenever we have a lot, we trust in those things we have. And when we don't have much, we learn to trust in God. I remember I had a man one time who was a millionaire and he said, you know, I was much more happy when I didn't have a dime than I am right now. And I thought about that and I thought to myself, I'd like to just try that for a minute and see if I had the same reaction as him. But uh, money doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring faith. Uh, The poor are rich in faith. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't give some people money. And uh, if it's rightly used, it's fine, it's great. If it doesn't become a person's God. And so this was kind of an enigma that was going on in the church. Uh, Here the Bible says that the rich people, and this is true in history, oppose you in verse number 6 now. The rich people were opposing you and dragging you into the courts. Why are you treating them so good in the church? Why are you rolling out the red carpet for this person that comes in decked out and has all these things? This doesn't make any sense. These are the persecutors of the church. And the only, the only thing I can see here is the reason why they did that is people do strange things for money, even in the church. And so, and so here is the exhortation. The exhortation is now, is this is what I want you to do in verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the royal law. Why is it called royal? Because it was given to us by the King Jesus. It's a royal law. And so I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is an old law. This isn't new 
It was introduced in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. It was the, look at it, the last line, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's been around a long time. It would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? Now, there were two laws in the Bible that summarized all the law. They are these. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a winning combination. It summarizes all of the law. Well, here he says, listen, I just want you to go by the royal law. Uh, because there are consequences attached if you don't. Now, this seems like a small thing to us. You know, here we find the mention of adultery, and here we find the mention of murder. That's like big. We say, man, when somebody, that's big. But what about treating people with less respect? Uh, he says, you know, that's big too because it's the law of God. Uh, look at verse number 9. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, here's one of the most penetrating verses in the Bible, verse number 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. I think the average person on the street believes that God has a point system. Don't you? You know, I, uh, I came to church today, that's 50 points. I didn't get restless in the middle of the sermon, 10 more points. At exactly noon, I didn't glare at my watch, 20 points. Etc. And uh, Wednesday night I came to church, 600 points. I got all these points with God. God doesn't have a point system. God has no point system. He says if you break the law, even if you think this is small, if you break that, you've broken the whole law. The law is broken. The law is a unit. It's like a chain. Whenever you take one link out of the chain, the chain is broken. And so, and so this puts us in a bad light. And so God laid down these things in the Bible for us to pay attention to. Uh, it's not up to us to say, hey, this is important and this is not important in my life. And what he's talking about here is selective obedience. Selective obedience. And I know that we can't ever be perfect in obeying everything the Lord has told us to do. That's why we have the Bible to remind us over and over again of how God wants us